The kitchen god is a significant deity in Chinese folklore, particularly during the Lunar New Year. He is considered the guardian of the family and is believed to report the family's behavior to the Jade Emperor in heaven. The kitchen god's departure to heaven and his return are marked by specific rituals and offerings. A week before Chinese New Year, a ceremony is held to send off the kitchen god to report to the Jade Emperor. Now, this involves offering sacrifices and burning a paper image of the god to ensure a favorable report. Now, often this involves offering candy or smearing the image of with the, the mouth with honey or something sweet. Now, his return signifies the end of the freedom from spiritual surveillance and offerings of food are prepared to welcome him back. The kitchen god is an important intermediary between family and other important gods, and his role is deeply rooted in Chinese cultural traditions. When the kitchen god is departing for his annual report to the Jade Emperor, families begin the most important cleaning event of the year to prepare for the arrival of the Lunar New Year. It is a thorough cleanup for the whole house, and every member of the family is responsible for this major cleaning event. And in addition, the lucky red signs, or the fai chun, like we talked about before, with the gold or black auspicious expressions, are hung up on the doors and gates. Uh, flowers, sweets, dry cooking ingredients, special delicacies, and firecrackers are showing up in markets everywhere. Now, if you go to TNT, you're going to notice a lot of this going on, especially with all of the wonderful foods and gifts that are available at this time of year, and it's really incredible. People want to welcome the new year with a sparkling, clutter-free, and organized home. Now, this symbolizes clean and, of course, fresh beginnings. And the abundance of food at this uh, time of year reflects the result of a hard-working year's earning and rewards. The bright red signs with the lucky expressions are to scare away any bad spirits and bring in positive energy for the new year. The celebration of Lunar New Year is 15 days, and adult children who live far from home will head home with their own families to be with their parents and grandparents for family reunions. Now, this is the most important cultural festival for Chinese people in China, Taiwan, and overseas. Uh, Lunar New Year is also celebrated in Singapore, South Korea, Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, and Vietnam, as well as other places as well. And with the diversity of our world, you can see uh, Lunar New Year cultural celebrations everywhere, including right here in Canada. Now today, the reverence for the kitchen god in modern Chinese families varies. While some modern families still observe the tradition of offering candy to the kitchen god before New Year, the extent of reverence may differ among families due to factors like individual beliefs, like just life in general, uh, being in a new culture, and personal traditions. The significance still remains an important part of Chinese culture, but its practice in modern families may not be universal. Welcome to part two of the Lunar New Year special. In this episode, I'm going to talk about how we celebrate during this special time of year. In addition, I have a special guest and we're going to talk about local Asian-owned restaurants in Calgary and the unique offerings they have that keep us coming back. My name is Jade Coro, and you're listening to the Aimless Cook Podcast.
Now, modern families celebrate the Lunar New Year by embracing a mix of traditional and contemporary customs. Now, these may include things like family reunions. Now, similar to the traditional practice, it's a time for families to come together, often for a big dinner, and feature special dishes with symbolic meanings, like the ones we saw on the last episode with the yimian and uh, dumplings. Also a big one is the red envelope, so the lucky money, the uh, lysi. Now this tradition of giving and receiving red envelopes, I love receiving them, but you know, you get to an age where you have to start giving them. Uh, <laughs> the tradition of giving and receiving the red envelopes with money, symbolizing good luck and prosperity, is re- it's a big one. It's still observed in, even today and even here in Canada. And uh, Tina Lee from TNT, the CEO of TNT, does a really good kind of... Uh, video tips on the TNT Instagram. I just wanted to take a few minutes to talk about a really important Lunar New Year tradition, which is giving out red pockets. You know, especially if you're someone like me and you're born here, you remember receiving a lot of red pockets when you're a kid, but you kind of forget when you are older, you are now responsible for giving red pockets. To remind you that this is a tradition that we want to keep passing on, and there's a few tips. Check this out. The back envelope, when you give a red pocket, you don't seal it. You don't seal the back, you don't tape it down, you don't glue it down because there's a special meaning. You want the fortune to continue coming. And uh, you want to use new money in a new red pocket. I think the more important question might be exactly how much you put in the envelope. Uh, But really, you want to take a new envelope. You don't reuse red pockets. Okay, so don't steal, don't reuse, give a new one, pick a stylish one, and the fortune will come year after year. Oh yeah, one more thing. Don't use it as a regular envelope. Like don't put like a birthday card in it or something. Super tacky. Only money in red envelope. So thank you, Tina, for letting me use your tips for giving Lysi. She also reminded me to tell you that you should never give money in denominations of four because the word four is associated and sounds like death. The legend of Ang Pao from the Song Dynasty does suggest one possible origin for Lysi or Hongbao. In the story, an evil dragon-like creature was terrorizing the people of a village called Changchiu, and no one had been able to drive it off or kill it. The villagers lived in fear until one day when a young man named Ang Pao slayed the creature with his magic saber named Ma Dao. Out of gratitude and in the hope of warding off evil into the future, the elders of Changchiu gave Ang Pao a red envelope filled with money. From that day forward, Chinese Lysi were seen as a way of driving off unlucky spirits. Now, the practice of giving Hongbao or Lysi during Chinese New Year probably originated in the Qing Dynasty. Previously, during the Manchu-founded Ming Dynasty, most people belonged to the Han clan. In 1636, the Qing Dynasty was established and many Han people, whose tradition included celebrating the New Year, were appointed into government positions. The Qing emperors respected Han culture and traditions like giving children coins tied together by red thread for New Year's were gradually adopted widely. The practice eventually evolved into the red envelopes that are given today. But moving on, 
uh, cultural festivities. Many Chinese-Canadian communities organize public celebrations, including the uh, Calgary Chinese Cultural Association, which puts on events like the Dragon and Lion Dances, which are coming up uh, this week. So be sure to check it out. On the last episode, I also went over the dates of that, and if you want to check that out, friends of Chinatown YYC on Instagram has all of the dates and posts for the events that are happening for uh, Lunar New Year. Now, also w- traditional foods. Families like to prepare and enjoy traditional Lunar New Year foods like dumplings, uh, nyinga, and other symbolic dishes, which we'll go over in a list on the next segment. But like I mean, in general, a lot of people just kind of integrate the cultural heritage with the diverse experiences of being in Canada, reflecting a blend of kind of modern influences and traditional and just kind of making their own unique celebrations. And while some families may have adopted the traditions to suit their new homes, the core values of family, good fortune, and cultural heritage remain central to the celebration. So one thing is for sure is food plays a huge role in celebrating of the Lunar New Year. I This is my favorite part. And there are a lot of uh, significant, lucky, and symbolic foods that happen during this time of year. I'm going to go over a few. Steamed whole fish. Now this one represents prosperity and abundance for the coming year. And traditionally to serve with the head and tail intact, with the head pointing in the direction of elders and guests as a sign of respect. And typically, it is a tradition to save half the fish for the next day to symbolize abundance. And dumplings, or the jiaozi, they look like ingots. So they are commonly associated with prosperity. And the more you can eat, the more you will have prosperity in the coming year. And one of the things that uh, Ricky Chung mentioned in the last episode was that sometimes you'll make a bunch of dumplings like this is a group activity of course with the family all home is uh we'll make dumplings and the dumplings are made and with a couple of them you put a coin inside the dumpling so that if you're eating your dumplings later and you get a coin that means you're going to be lucky in money in the coming year of course if you don't chip your teeth noodles uh, represent longevity. Now, like the yimian that uh, Ricky talked about in the last episode, they represent, of course, longevity or prosperity. Now, as long as they're cooked whole, they're cooked whole to preserve their length, and they're believed to bring, you know, longevity in whatever context. So, a lot of these times they're uh, eaten during New Year's to bring, you know, longevity of prosperity or on birthdays to, of course, bring long life. Now, whole chicken is another one, a common dish at reunion dinners, and it's usually served whole with the head and feet intact, just like the fish. And it symbolizes unity or wholeness while signifying a good beginning and end to the year. Sticky sweet rice cake or nyenga is, uh, in Chinese, sounds like getting higher year by year. So it's often associated with like, say, rise in pay or business success or, you know, general life improvements. Now, in the Philippines, this is called tikoi, and it is prepared 
in a lot the same way as it is prepared in in Chinese households. You slice it and it's dipped in beaten egg and fried. And this is a common dish to use as an offering to the kitchen god. Spring rolls represent gold bars and are often eaten just like the dumplings in the hope that one will have prosperity in the coming year. Sweet rice balls, tangyuan, are sweet kind of mochi balls and they're filled with red bean paste or sesame and it's served in a sweet ginger soup so it's like a dessert soup and if you look at a Filipino equivalent I could probably probably think of something like uh, ginatan bilobilo where it is very similar you make little kind of mochi balls and they're in sort of, sort of sweet whether it's a coconut milk or some kind of broth like that and uh, the roundness, of course, represents reunion and togetherness. Lion's head meatballs is another one. It also represents unity because they're round, but also strength because they resemble the head of the lion. So in terms of uh, representing something symbolic of a strong family, lion's head meatballs are very common. Now, vegetables. Vegetables symbolize spring. And they're often associated with renewal, energy, progress, and wealth. Lettuce in, in Chinese and Cantonese sounds like becoming wealthy. I, would know, I don't know the word, but... Uh, lettuce is also used as a common offering to lion during the lion dance. And if you've ever seen the lion dance, go to a, a new business opening, for example. You can see that when they offer uh, lettuce tied up, and it's usually like hung off of like uh, the ceiling or off a rafter above the door. The lion will come in and eat the lettuce and it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch. Hey everybody, this is John Leung, also known as Chef John Leung on all the socials, including especially on Twitch. Uh, yes, uh, live there three times a week. You want to come uh, hang out? Uh, but uh, more importantly, though, uh, he, Jay asked me to tell y'all about some of the traditions that we do in the Liang household here. So, uh, and yes, one of the biggest traditions that me as a Cantonese person we love to do is pun toy. It is everything you want in some of the richest ingredients in Chinese cuisine. Like abalone, shark fin, well, not much a shark fin, but mushroom, uh, like cabbage, all in one bowl. Seriously, wonderful stuff. Great gravy as well, too. Fam my family all across the world uh, always have it at Lunar New Year. And we have it every year, too. So, I mean, uh, yeah, hopefully you get to try one, too, one of these days. Do you want me to touch on any of my family Lunar New Year stuff? or We can totally do that. Because my mom, she always does duck, which is like the rice cake soup. Yeah. And then it's got the duck that I was talking about, the rice cakes, the yeah. round rondelles, and then they get simmered into like a broth. My mom likes to always use fish sauce. She likes that little extra. Not everyone does it. You can do it with soy and make it a little bit more mild and more simple, mm -hmm. which is like my mom described that as more of a clean taste. It's like how people like it more in the city, like Seoul. Mm -hmm. But where my mom's from, she's from Daegu, which is kind of more southern. And as you go more southern, it's we like more salt. We like a little bit more pungent, more of that. We we like the sea a little bit more too. Mm -hmm. So you'll find there's more spices or things like that. But my mom likes to add fish sauce, and then she'll um, saute the minced beef in like some soy or 
soy or fish sauce. She'll throw some garlic in there. She'll top it into the soup. And it's just like a mild soup. There's some sesame oil. Um, sometimes you have the emulsified egg broth in there. Or you can julienne like an omelet style egg. Um, some green onions on top, you know. And you have kimchi, of course, with that. And it's kind of one tradition to kind of bring in the new year. So, Do you have like a big kind of dinner feast going on during that time or get together? Yeah, so like for my family, I think over the years we've been trying to keep these traditions alive. Yes. But like we were mentioning, sometimes, you know, you don't have enough time. So you grab a pot of bumble and it's, it's the easy way to go. And sometimes, you know, my mom will call us to her house and then we'll have like that New Year's Day yeah. um, get together and we'll have duck things like that. But, yeah. you know, most of the times it's easy going. But in Korea, it's a huge, huge holiday. Yeah. I'm sure it is for everyone here who's celebrating Lunar mm-hmm. New Year. Well, you're, well, you probably get days off in, in Korea too. Yeah. And to like people that. are going across the country yes. to visit to their families. Mm-hmm. And it's always chaotic. It's similar to here, you know. Lunar New Year is a big time. And mm-hmm. Chuseok, which is also like Korean Thanksgiving, huge time as well. As you know, Calgary is home to a lot of great local restaurants, and I wanted to take this time to do an Asian restaurant roundup of sorts for Lunar New Year to celebrate small business. So in the spirit of promoting these businesses, I hope that listeners will get out there and support them. So with me today is Jesse Yu from Stay Social YYC, a digital marketing agency here in Calgary. And she's also a restaurateur and was my neighbor at Crossroads Market for eight years. Her family's restaurant, Asahi Sushi and Koritz, was directly across from Eats of Asia. So we've been borrowing rice from each other for a very long time. So welcome to the show, Jess. Hi, Jay. It's nice to be here. (laughs) So when I first talked to you, the idea was to make a list of Asian restaurants that you are loving right now. And as we got to talking about them, you seem to mention that particular places had like one really cool dish or feature that made them stand out. So, so today we're going to talk about four of them and what they're doing that is making us come back again and again. Yeah, absolutely. I know... Over the years, I think I've come to you saying that I had a few favorites and especially, you know, we both really like to eat and I, I can rave about the restaurants totally. that I like going to. And I have a very short rotation where, you know, I keep coming back to the same restaurant week by week. And um, the first one I'd like to talk about is Bumbleway Deli. I'm okay. not sure if you've been there before, but it's located in Forest Lawn and mm-hmm. there's a Vietnamese plaza there. Um, and I believe they're one of the first restaurants that at least I know of did, that did um, bring your own pot. So mm-hmm. when I was started going there, they, I think it was maybe $20 or $25 for a pot that fed four. Yes. Of course, now times have changed and it's, I think it's $30 for a pot that feeds four. And so I just had it last week and I bought a $50 pot and I think it fed about six or seven of us. So okay. super budget yeah. friendly. Um, it's for someone who likes, you know, uh, Bumbleway, which is a very, you know, it's spicy, but there's got the beef and then you got the pork balls and you've got the noodles and you get your toppings, of course, with bean sprouts, the basil, um, and super approachable for me because Korean food is very much like that. We like our spiciness. We like a little bit of stink, which is like that funky that you love. Um, and then the fresh veggies just always elevate it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that stuff too. It's uh especially with the fact that you can get together with a large group and just go hard. It's almost reminding me of like say like doing hot pot 
Totally. But, you know, everything's done. Yeah. <laughs> so and it makes it super easy because, you know, my family, we love to get together. But sometimes the work of, like, preparing a meal for seven of us, yeah. you know, it can be quite daunting. Yeah. So, but it's super approachable for us to go pick up a pot, you know, $50. It's super affordable. So they include all of the sort of components as well, like yeah. the proteins and all of the 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 herbs and all exactly. of the things Exactly. And, and then you get the extra chili oil and the saute sauce as well. Beautiful. So if you like that extra spice, you like that extra funk, um, you can always add that in there too. And they also always include some limes or lemons and then also some Thai chili peppers too. So they give you all those things. That's just like everything. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool, cool. All right. So that was Bun Bawei. All right. What else do we have? We got yimsim, which is one of my favorite, favorite papaya salads in the city. Okay. Um, I love their Isan-style papaya salad, which includes uh, fermented blue crab. Wow. And it is so pungent, and it's, you know, it's unlike anything I've tried here in the city, and it really takes me back to Thailand when I tried something like this, and I didn't know what it was. The spice level is already very, very good. You can always make it extra spicy. Um, definitely approach with caution. I do love my spice, but when you ask for it spicy, it will kick you in the butt for sure. Oh, wow. And we see you say fermented crab. This is obviously like a raw crab. Yeah. Like and a so, blue crab or a swimmer crab. You know, I haven't asked those details, to be honest. I heard about this. I had it. And it's not something that, you know, I know too much about. Of course, I, I can learn more about it, but it's got that crab meat in there. Is it similar to the Korean Yeah, style? it is, yeah. really. Like, it's okay. got the, it's creamy, and then you get the crunch from the crab, and it's every bite of the crab that you have, it's, it's quite pungent, but it adds way, way more to the papaya salad than you thought it would. And so I have it like that every single time. Speaking of eating, like, raw crab. Yeah. I was at Tiger K., not too long ago for the lunch set because I knew they had that. And I never had it before. Oh, really? Yes. It's an experience. So I wasn't sure, like, do you eat the shell? What do you, or you do know, you just squish if, the if stuff you, out on the rice or what? It's a little bit of both, to be honest. I'll throw it all <laughs> in my mouth. I will squeeze out the meat. I will crunch it. And then if there's too much crunch going on, you know, you subtly just put it into your napkin. But okay. I have people, I know people that'll just try crunch, crunching the whole thing and they'll Because, yeah. It. When you have the crab and the the shell is thin enough, it's almost like yeah, I can yeah. eat this. And I think Should it, I? <laughs> I think it depends on depends on your preference. You know, yeah. it's like some people they like to eat you know prawn heads. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that. I do. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So it's the same thing. It's the same concept. It's okay. if it's approachable for you, mm-hmm. totally. Awesome. Okay. So I yeah, I just wanted to get that cleared up. <laughs> <laughs> you're eating it and shirt. sometimes it's messy and you got like the little shells on the side but you know it's i find sometimes the best food is something you can get a little bit messy into and you that's can that's funny that you mentioned that because i was just talking about that with well my wife brought it up because she had gamjatang for the first time yeah. like years ago yeah with a bunch of friends who obviously have had it before and i wasn't with her but she went there and then it was like she was watching one of the people eat the gamjatang just because she didn't know how to approach it, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, it's one of those dishes that you have to like really get your hands dirty and 
you know, suck on the bones and yeah. get every little piece out. And exactly. it, it's not a, it's nothing that you can really look cool doing. Yeah. And unless, you know, you're with a whole group and, you know, you're all enjoying yourself and you're immersed. So it's the cut of the cut of the way that the bone is as mm-hmm. well. Cause I, I always thought gamja was potatoes. Yeah. It means um, potato, right? Yeah. It does. But mom recently told me it's actually the cut of the meat, which like it's, it's, you know, sometimes you'll find that there's like this, almost like a rib bone in there. Yes. But it's actually like this cross-section cut, I believe. That's yes. like, it's what Kamja is, is uh, referring to, which I didn't know. Really? Okay. And I was saying to my mom, because we've done Kamja Tang a couple times at our restaurant. Mm-hmm. And mom says, no, it's not the potatoes. It's the cut of the meat. And like, it's not, like you were saying, it's not necessarily approachable for everyone, because mm-hmm. you have to really get into the nooks and crannies to get mm-hmm. the tender meat out of there. And there are a lot of dishes like that, and you know, like they do involve a lot of you know commitment. <laughs> yeah, but they're rewarding. Yeah, like and sometimes chicken, you're yeah. up for it, and sometimes you know you yeah. want something that's yeah. <laughs> that's easy. Like it's definitely not it. something you eat while driving, but I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's something that you just have to just sit down and engage yeah sometimes you know when i get a dish like that i'm not gonna lie if i'm not in the mood to be all hands in i will fish out all the meat and then you know leave the bones off to the side and then i'll dig in and makes it so much easier to approach (laughs) (laughs) so what else do you have you know i was telling you about the korean deli Mm -hmm. so i've known the it's a mom and her daughter yeah and they've been doing it for a number of years i think they were probably in in Calgary, like from the nineties or something. And my mom says they've been in the city for a long time. Um, it's just off 17th Avenue and Southeast or Southwest? Uh, Southwest kind of by the casino. Okay. Yeah. So it's super close. Um, and they have also like a little cooler where you can approach and get some side dishes. And I believe they're from the same region my family's from. So uh-huh. like central Korea. So they, how, they they like to season just like my mom does in the sense they like spices they like salt they like the funkiness and so we really enjoy their kimchi too and they also make this um, duck which is glutinous rice cake so they'll mm-hmm. go through bags of rice making this these rice cakes um, and I know they service like churches and schools and things like that too so they do a lot of catering for those items do they supply to some of the other grocery stores yeah or, so yeah? um I know they do make those um, rice cakes I was talking about, they it's called injermi. Mm. So they will provide it for like the, I think, snow caps as well. Okay. So they provide those for if you get the bingsu. So, because um, it's so much work to make something like that. So yeah. they specialize in making it and then making it fresh and then delivering to places that are Korean um, specialties around the city. Mm-hmm. So, And it's called Korean Deli. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you go and sometimes they'll have different takeout containers of different home kind of style soups, which is awesome. Um, Soups that you won't really see in restaurants sometimes. Sometimes it's like braised cabbage and like that denjang jjigae, kind of like that soybean soup. Um, Kind of like grab and go? Yeah, so they'll have different like, um, you know, one liters Uh and different side dishes like I was talking about um, with the kimchi and sometimes they'll have like some cured... Um, octopus or squid in there and like it's it's awesome because we love those kind of side dishes and for us as korean families we all we need is a bowl of rice and Mm -hmm. then you can kind of dig in when you have a few of those side dishes so it's really nice to stop in and they're always super lovely um and they they do make those rice cakes 
fresh. So sometimes you go and they're still warm. That gooeyness, you can't get that gooeyness anywhere. Like it's fresh, fresh, and it's warm, and it melts in your mouth, and it's amazing. Wow, that's great. Mm-hmm. So would you say like, what are, would be like the staple kind of things that you would have with rice if you're just like young and broke? What would be kind of like the Korean staple? Like if you open your fridge, what would what would we see? So for me, like side dishes can be quite a bit of work. Mm-hmm. So like some easy things, like I was saying, is the denjang chiga. All you need is that fermented soy paste, mm-hmm. um, some garlic, and some, if you've got some anchovies, so if you have the powder, like um, yeah. ground anchovies, or you can have the oh. whole ones that you can simmer into your soup. Like dashida? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you could do that. And then um, my, the way my mama has always done it is she'll saute that with gochugaru, which is the red pepper. Mm-hmm. And then we'll simmer that. Um, you can throw clams in there if you have clams. You can throw whatever you want and so turn it into yeah, a soup. So essentially, it's almost like a, yeah, clean your fridge kind of thing. Yeah, totally. And if you've got like, Zucchini, like we always use zucchini for bibimbap. Sometimes um, I'll have that leftover, toss that in there. Um, you can really turn anything into into a soup. And like especially the omelet style egg too. I don't know if you've had that, but you can yeah. um, make the steamed egg dish, which is just involves, my mom likes to use garlic and fish sauce again. Um, and then you can either simmer it over a pot in like a pot of water and mm-hmm. make it puff up yep. or you can just microwave it too you can microwave that yeah oh. <laughs> so there's that's probably the easier way to go about it yeah um a lot easier to overcook in the microwave yeah. obviously but like it if, will get like kind of leathery yeah exactly yeah. but something like that but of course with side dishes we always had the roasted nori mm-hmm. so my mom used to um lather it with like some sesame oil mm-hmm. and then throw some coarse sea salt on there and so you can like sometimes you'll get like just just the nori which which isn't roasted and she'll put that on the pan and then you get that freshly crisp nori oh. and then you cut that up and then you have some rice and i'm so like down for some korean food right now it's so good, <laughs> it's, so good. it's just hits the you know it hits all this like the notes of that salty yeah spicy sweet you know it's got everything which i i find is really nice to eat oh gosh (laughs) all right so let's go on to the next one so we just talked about um korean deli and now and then rao bistro is one that um it's been a while since i've been to but they have this really cool um, dish, which is the seven course. Well, it's not dish, but it's a seven course dish yes. with beef. So um, you start with like a beef congee. Um, they have a beef jerky dish as well. And they have a few different array of things for you to kind of work through on the menu. And it's super, super cool because you get to try different things that you've never had before. You order it and it comes in a set for two. And it comes with also a marinated beef salad. And then there's some beef meatballs and then they've got the grilled la 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 beef as well mm-hmm. um and then satay beef and a beef fondue so like you'll end up having like this full experience which is so cool because you if you've never tried anything like this before it's um, a fully new experience and i love i love brow bistro in the sense that the environment is nice so like if you it's not like super upscale but you can still go there bring people and try new dishes and um, especially for those people who have never been to uh, a Vietnamese restaurant or it's their first time. 
um, you can really invite them and they can have a fully quaint experience there too. I kind of like that experience because it almost, it's, it's, it's definitely on its own away from like, say what you're used to in terms of when you go to a Vietnamese restaurant, like you're always associating with like having a bowl of pho or, mm-hmm. or having like bun mi or something. Right. And never like kind of a sit down seven course kind of thing that just, you know, mm-hmm. like this. And this looks awesome. It's great. And it's, yeah. and it allows you to try different things, like I said, and I would not have these things otherwise. Yeah. So it gives you an, uh, like the opportunity to try different things off their menu. That and that's 65 for two. Yeah. Wow. So it's great. And then like another set for two that, you know, I was mentioning earlier is Cuddy. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a location at Sunridge. Yeah, this is near the Rona. Yeah, and okay. so they they have this dish, which is a set for two. It's called Buncha Hanoi. Yes. Um, Hanoi is the northern re- region in Vietnam. And um, I didn't realize this, but I tried this when I was backpacking Vietnam. And then I never had it again after I left Hanoi. It's a very regionally specific mm-hmm. dish. Um, and you get this, you know, dipping sauce that's a little bit warm. It's sweet, and then you get to dip these pork patties. It comes with lettuce and different noodles, and you get to kind of pick and also try dipping it in the sauce, and it's just amazing. And I know, from what I know, there's only two restaurants in Calgary that serve Buncha Hanoi, so if you want that experience, um, definitely go to Cuddy. Well, thanks so much for coming in to talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if anyone can find you online, where are you? So you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok um, as Stay Social YYC. We do really like to explore different restaurants around the city and kind of show you um, some places that we've tried. And to be honest, I think our favorites are always kind of the underrated places to try. Um, Definitely. And always a very genuine experience for us. I think we, we like to share the restaurants we like to eat and we kind of like to figure out what you like to eat as well, and we'll go try them. So, Can you tell me a little bit about what Stay Social does? So Stay Social, we started about three years ago during the pandemic, um, a way for us to actually support my mom's family restaurant here at the market. Um, and so we started working with restaurants and small businesses here at Crossroads and um, from then on, like we've done photography and videography, um, kind of just anything we could get our hands on to support businesses during the pandemic. So I was actually helping my mom launch her restaurant um, online with uh, DoorDash, Uber. We were doing um, photography for the menu and then we were running some ad campaigns. And from then on, we've kind of partnered with uh, various businesses around the city to elevate their social media presence. Um, And we're getting more into that branding side as well. And we've kind of gone away from more just restaurants and now trying different things. So like my brother does the cannabis branding side of things. So he goes to the States a lot for that. Okay. Um, And then for myself, I've been working a lot in the TV industry. So Mm -hmm. I've been kind of a part, I've been lucky to be a part of um, promoting some social media for some television shows and... Um, recently, I'm running an influencer campaign at the Chinook Mall, and um, we have some healthcare and wellness uh, businesses under our um, portfolio as well. So wow. a little bit across the board. Yeah. Um, but we definitely want to 
like keep pushing those boundaries and learn new things. And that's the thing that we love about this digital marketing space is Definitely. you're always learning. And so it's it's very humbling and it's also very exciting to be learning these new things that come out all the time. So excellent. Oh, well, thanks a lot. Thanks for telling me your story and thanks for all of your recommendations. Thanks, Jay. And I hope to talk to you again soon when we have more great places to talk about. Yeah, and maybe we could try one of these places. And Actually, we, could, we should do we that. Could, we could critique we some of these like, places and enjoy them. We should do a podcast from a restaurant. A restaurant. That would be cool. Yes. And there's a lot of restaurants that, you know, they have that quiet time. Yeah. And then they always yeah, have totally. that little corner where, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of delegated to this corner where no one wants to sit necessarily away from the bustle. Yeah. But um, we could sit there. We could enjoy yeah, totally. and take those tasting notes. I think that's <laughs> the part that I really enjoy about about eating. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah well, me too. <laughs> it's, you know, because you... It's not that I'm, like, critiquing it in, like, a bad way, but it's like, oh, did you did you pick up those notes? And, you know, it's always cool to see, like, especially with someone who enjoys food, you can have those conversations and yes. you can experience it differently. Yeah. Whereas sometimes, totally. you know, I go and eat with my partner and he, he just scarfs it down. I'm like, you didn't try? <laughs> like, there's a sauce there that you didn't dip into or there's those toppings. Like, you need to, you know, like have that little bit of rice with that bite. And I'm huge about having like little bits of everything, you know, with the side dishes and. (laughs) Definitely will be on our list for sure. (laughs) Okay, cool. So thank you for listening. A special thanks to Jesse Yu for coming on today's show to talk about these amazing local restaurants and for sharing your own family's Lunar New Year traditions. I hope you have a very happy and prosperous Year of the Dragon with plenty of good vibes and lots of success. Be kind to one another, stay hungry, and I'll see you on the next one. Peace. Maybe I'm not as adventurous as I think I am until I try it. I'm like, this is really pushing, pushing my boundaries. <laughs> so you've only had century egg once. Yeah. Would you say that the kind of fermentation that you like is more rooted in, say, like Korean flavors, like kimchi? Oh, or... yeah, for sure. Yeah? Because it's like more... In, in Korea, I, I find it's like there's a lot of different things that go with that fermentation flavor. So like for me, I'm, and this is maybe like a very Korean way to do it or how my mom has kind of just always done in her cooking, but it's like always salty. There's always spice. There's always sweetness. So mm-hmm. I find like there's okay. always like a... A big, uh, like a, a balance yeah, of everything. Exactly. So I'm not used to quite having like just just a very strong kind of or like some some people like bitter with their fermentation mm-hmm. or, so i'm not used to it and maybe it's something that you know i just have to expose myself to and then your palate develops and then you kind of think about it lingers for a little bit like and then you come back to it and you're like this is something i can it's like get i know behind. your your mom makes a really good kimchi and does she do a different set for home you know i think if she had it just for the family. Yeah. I think one thing that we really like doing is just keeping the cabbage whole. Yeah. So what you'll do is you will like have layer by layer. Mm-hmm. So it's time consuming in that way, but you make sure every layer is coated with that kimchi paste. 
and so then you, you go ferment in with it. the gloves. And, yeah, 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 and you're rubbing that salt like into the layers, and it just preserves it in a way that's just like when you cut into it, when you're just having it, it's a different, different flavor, different experience than so like people who have it at home. A lot of them will have you know some that's cut and some that's just the whole cabbage. It's a different experience to cut it right at the table. You got the kitchen shears and. Like, will she add more, like, elements like oysters or Oh, she loves, squid? yeah, yeah. She, my mom, like, when she's making it here, sometimes she'll run to, like, Billingsgate, mm-hmm. and then she'll get oysters there, or, like, if she can get some hands on fresh oysters, and then you shuck them, and then you put them into the kimchi paste, like, right, and then you have the, if you have, like, a steamed bowl of white rice, that, just that strong, like, sour, or salty, like, pungent flavor with, like, a freshly steamed bowl of rice. There's, like, nothing, nothing like that. Is so. there a Korean name for, like, the different stages of fermentation? Like, if you like really old, funky kimchi. I'm sure Isn't there is. a name for that? I'm, I'm sure there is, but you know my yeah, Korean yeah. is not the strongest. <laughs> so, I, you know, there's word for every single kimchi and, like... I was watching a documentary on Netflix and there's, they were talking about rice and I didn't realize that every region has their own like specialty rice. Mm -hmm. It's like hundreds of grains of rice. And so I'm sure like even in kimchi too, like I know you can make anything into kimchi from different root vegetables to chives. I like the, the, the radish, the small ones. Yeah. 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 I love those. So good. (laughs) And so one of my favorites is the um, mumalengi that I was talking about, which is it's a dehydrated radish and then it's rehydrated and then you like lather it in like a kimchi paste. So again, you're getting that, you know, fishiness, that ginger, garlic, daikon, like all of those flavors together. And um, it's crunchy, but it's like still, it's kind of like a jerky almost. It's got mm-hmm. that chewy. Yeah. So there's a bit it. of that. Yeah. Oh, so good. Oh. Yeah. It's all those different textures that you're looking for too. It's, you know, it's not just that crispness of the cabbage. You enjoy all all the different levels of fermentation. And mm-hmm. I always tell like our guests at the market, I always say, our kimchi might be fresh this week or next week it might be overly fermented. Yeah. It's all good. I just especially like it when it's almost like fizzy. Yeah. Oh God, love that. When it's fizzy, <laughs> is like when I find it's like so versatile because yes. you can you can cook with it, mm-hmm. or you can like just add it to your rice. Just mix that kimchi juice into your rice. It soaks it up, and then you can add like whatever you want on top of it. Yeah. And it just I always say like it elevates everything, and I, I'm biased obviously because I grew up eating like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm the kind of person that's like. If I'm having spaghetti or pasta, I have like a bite of kimchi on top or I'll have like stew, like westernized, like kind of a creamy stew. I'll have kimchi with the stew. I'll have it with sushi. I'll have it with anything. And sometimes like I'm one of those people that's like, you'll find me, I'll bring like hot sauce or like kimchi to places and people, people will be like, you brought your own side dishes. I'll go out to my friend's house. They'll be like having like nice dinner and then I'm bringing my own tub of kimchi (laughs) There's probably like maybe one person that touches it out of the group, but I'm like, you know, it's, <laughs> I know what you're cooking tonight. And I know that if I didn't yeah. have it with me, then I would be missing something for the rest of the evening. So, yeah. Awesome. 